Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass, there's a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. What's up, folks? Welcome back. Shannon Smith Shooting Podcast. Appreciate you guys for joining me. This is my once a month or twice a month, hopefully this next year, uh, area to sit down and, and talk to folks about shooting. Uh, for those of you that, that give a shit about me, uh, I don't talk much, and I kind of pride myself in that. So a podcast was not really a natural avenue uh, for me to go to, but I've gotten some good feedback on it, and I appreciate that feedback. Appreciate you guys listening. You know, I do like... Uh, I do like talking about shooting, and if you've trained with me or taken a class with me, you know that's you know pretty much what we do. If we're not actively shooting, loading mags, whatever, we're sitting around talking about shooting, and the you know the podcast is kind of give me an avenue to do that. Hopefully, share some of the thoughts on on shooting and other general dude related stuff, and uh, plan to do a better job of it in in the coming year. Hopefully, more frequently is is the goal, and try to get more information out to everybody. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. As it uh, may apply, we got a couple of days till Christmas. I think this is going to release on uh, Wednesday night or Thursday morning before Christmas, which means I got to get to shopping. So I'll get my annual shopping day on Friday or Saturday and get that out of the way. Of get that out of the way. Um, little little pole smoking here, which I'm not really great at either. If if I were, I would never leave the house. But they just came out with the, the world shoot team. Uh, slots and announcements and although I knew that I made the team because I knew what the points were I did get the official a call from USPSA and sent the slot and and uh, which I accepted to go to uh, world shoot next year in France so I'm super excited about that that was a big goal of mine for the last number of years and it's certainly no easy task I was fortunate to make the world shoot team uh, in standard division or limited in USPSA in 2008 and they had changed the the qualification process in, in previous years, and I don't know the full history, but in years prior to the 08 World Shoot, it was a very, I think, complicated process, and you had to shoot like the odd number area mat area championships on the odd year leading up to the World Shoot, and then the even number area championships uh, on the even year leading up to the World Shoot, and then it was a combination of your scores from both it was just it was very difficult basically if you weren't you know a legit pro shooter and basically shot matches for a living it was very difficult uh, in my opinion to earn a t earn, earn a slot on the team and then I think a lot of it too came down to the team captain or the team manager you know a little bit of a good old boy system and the same kind of guys always made it you know the guys that were expected not that they weren't the best in the in that our country had to offer at the time there's a good chance that they were but if you were a dude like me in the in the back, you know, in the back room busting your busting your balls trying to trying to get to the top, you know, chances are you were never going to have a chance. They were never going to look at you. Well, they changed the the qualification process after the 05 World Shoot into pretty much what it is now. Although there wasn't an Ipsic Nationals at the time, I don't think, but there was a cup. There was two uh, one-off qualification matches, and then. The Nationals. So now it was basically four competitions over the course of two years uh, leading up to the World Shoot. So I kind of made that a goal. Not kind of. I made that a goal uh, in in oh, late 05, early 06 uh, to make the World Shoot team. And, you know, I busted my ass uh, working at it. 
And I was a process of trying to get better at shooting anyway. I was already putting a lot of time in in the previous years or the years leading up to that point. But from then on, man, it was on. So it was, you know, shooting, 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 dry fire every, every day, every night. And I made it by the skin of my teeth, literally. I, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me now, but it was, it was less than 1% uh, to earn the fourth spot on the team. And the way it works then and now still, the top three guys, it's a, it's a four-person team, the top three make it off qualification points uh, earned through those matches. The best three of those four matches are, are added together for score, uh, and your score is your percentage as shot in division. And then the fourth person on the team is still a manager's pick or, or a team captain's pick. A team captain is the team manager, same thing. But that's historically gone to the fourth qualifier. But it is a caveat in there in the event that something weird happens. You know, Rob Latham or Max Michelle or some guy you know is going to be on the team has some problem. He has a baby, has to leave, or gets ill, can't make a match or something. So, you know, I don't know that's ever even been invoked, but uh, that's what it's there for. And it was between me and Ted uh, Pointe, a buddy of mine, for the fourth spot that year. And, again, I don't remember the points, but it was it was literally less than a percent. And the last match was in Tulsa. I forget if it was the national. I think it was the. I guess it was the nationals, the U.S. Shooting Academy, in '07. And uh, you know, I'd, I'd kept a log of all the scores in a notebook. You know, I don't, I don't think we had smartphones back then, and was tallying it up on the on the tailgate of the of the rental car. And you know, according to my numbers, I, I had made it, but you know, it was a little too too close to call at that point when you're trying to figure it out on a tailgate in the middle of the parking lot, and it's down to you know, that close of, um, you're down to decimal points to, to figure it out, but that's how tight the competition is. And, and so I made the team represented the U S and in Indonesia and in Bali, you know, finished third in the world in standard division, uh, individually. And then obviously the team won, uh, by a, by a large margin. So, you know, you're on the podium, they play the, the national anthem and, you know, you're not going to find a lot bigger Patriots than me. So that's, it was just, it was just fucking cool to, to experience that, you know, our sport's not going to make the Olympics, uh, at least not in my lifetime. So that is our Olympics, and that's the pinnacle of the sport. And that was a, a, a massive undertaking for me to get there. I'm not a, uh, I'm not a, wasn't a professional shooter at the time, and you know, financially, uh, time-wise, it it literally took everything I had to to accomplish that goal. And I, I can't state that any plainer than it literally took everything I had, and. Uh, but, you know, goal, goal, goal accomplished. So I was certainly proud and, and pleased. But, you know, after that, I back, had to back off shooting a little bit because I didn't, I didn't have money to buy a single primer. So I didn't, wasn't able to compete uh, to try out for the, uh, for the following world shoot, which was 11. Just wasn't able to hit all the matches that were, that were required at the time. And then the next world shoot was at our place in 2014. It was at Universal Shooting Academy. 11 was in Greece. And uh, obviously, I was working that one as a part of Universal Shooting Academy, so I wasn't able to, to try out for the team. And so after, actually, well before that world shoot, but I'd, I'd made it a goal to to make a go at this world shoot, but uh, in open division. I'd, I'd done it in standard. I used to shoot open years ago, so I thought I'd switch over to open division and give that a go. So it's been a, again, work in progress. It's, you know, this is coming up on the end of, of a two-year qualification process now. And you're going against the, you know, literally the best open guys in the world, and best certainly the best open guys in the country. And so I'm, I'm certainly proud to have been able to achieve this goal as well. And 
again, it was down to it was down to the wire. I mean, coming into the, the final match, which is the the Open Nationals uh, at our place this year, I was pretty sure I had the the fourth spot locked up. Uh, and actually, after the the IPSC Nationals, I had moved into third. But KC was right on my ass, and if he put put up any kind of a score at the Nationals, uh, he would have moved in front of me for the third spot. But it turns out he didn't make the Nationals due to, to weather concerns, uh, so it left me in, in third position. So certainly pleased about that. We'll um, we'll see how it goes and see what happens. You know, you get I get a lot of questions from you know people that aren't in the sport. Well, where do you rank, or who's the best, and et cetera, et cetera. And it's kind of hard to say in our sport because, you know, similar to golf, really any, any given guy could win on any given day. Now, there's certainly your favorites. I mean, if you're, if you're a betting man, you, you're certainly going to pick so-and-so for this match and, and so-and-so for that match. I mean, we know who the top guys are. But there's really no ranking system um, until you get down to something like this. So it's cool to have a qualification series or qualification system and, you know, you kind of undeniably who the, who the top three, four, five, six guys are and, you can simply look at the scores and, and figure that out. So looking forward to that. The um, training training certainly starts now. We're getting geared up, uh, getting the guns rehashed over the holiday season here, and they'll be ready to rock in the next week or so and uh, get, to, get to shooting. There's some politics going on between USPSA and IPSC, which I'm sure you've heard about. If you're in the sport, I'm not going to get into them. I don't know as much as those on the Internet purport to know. But I certainly hope it gets all sorted out and we can get training up and getting ready to head to France. Uh, so that's the the competition announcements, the little quick self-defense tip before we get into the today's topic. Uh, I've done for a number of years, and I would recommend to you, uh, use the holiday season to kind of revamp your 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 self-defense gear as the same as we talked about last last podcast in using the off-season to square up your competition gear on the usually during the Christmas season, I change out all the batteries in any of my self-defense paraphernalia. So if you got lights around the house, I've, I think I've got a flashlight of some sort uh, by each doorway and by the bed and whether they need it or not, batteries aren't that expensive. Change out the batteries. It's going to make your life easier than if you need it, whether it's to punch a dude in the face or take the garbage out. It's nice to have a flashlight that, that works when you need it. And the same for your carry ammo. I, mean, I actually would recommend shooting your carry ammo <clears throat> or changing out your carry ammo more frequently than once a year, but at least once a year. And I've, you know, the gun that I that I actually carry every day, I, I shoot that ammo out relatively frequently, um, probably you know, three, four times a year, just because I, I happen to shoot the gun a lot. So occasionally I'll just shoot what's in there out before I switch over to the range ammo. But if you've got other guns around, like I was, we were talking about last podcast. You know, I've got truck guns and nightstand guns and uh, shotgun behind the bed and, you know, that kind of crap. Well, if you've got stuff laying around, who knows how long that's ammo, that ammo's been in there. Maybe you know, maybe you don't. But, again, ammo's not that expensive. We're talking three, four, six, eight mags, depending on how many guns you got laying around. Uh, it's a good time. And normally during the holiday season, some people have some downtime. You can take care of some take care of some things like that. So it's a good, good reminder to take that time to change over. Um, I heard once, which I actually try to do, is to change the batteries in your smoke alarm uh, on daylight savings time. So that gets them changed twice a year. That's a pretty good, uh, pretty good idea. Well, as well, just for for home safety tip, and that wouldn't be a bad time to to shoot out your carry ammo as well. Just make that a little reminder to to change out your carry ammo. So our topic for the day, we wanted to get on. Had a couple of good questions come in 
uh, actually via text from a from a buddy of mine. I'll ask them both and then answer both because it leads into uh, what I want to talk about today. He asked, "Would a production or single stack shooter uh, shooting limited uh, be a good idea to improve their overall performance in their desired division?" So, if you normally shoot production or single stack, in his example, would shooting limited be a good idea uh, to help you improve? your production or single stack shooting? Answer, yes. Next question, uh, would a B class plus or minus shooter benefit from trying to shoot faster in order to improve? So if you're in that that dead C of B zone or low A, high C, uh, working on your speed, working on just trying to shoot faster alone, would that uh, improve your score or, or improve your chances of moving up in class? Yes. All right, back. Sorry, I had a little break there. He uh, misses his outruns Marins, and I'm on singular daddy duty for our new little one. He said to go take care of duties. Uh, so the reason I answer those questions, uh, one-word answers, is it leads me into the topic of what I wanted to talk to or about today, which is the hit factor scoring system of, US, of USPSA. We cover a lot in my classes, especially when we get the more competition-specific stuff or later on in a multi-day class where we're really working on how to shoot a stage, stage breakdown, and, and why these types of things matters. There's no doubt our scoring system is complicated, especially for the newer shooter uh, that's not not familiar with how it works, compared to you know another sport like IDPA or Three Gun Nation, where they may have a more time plus based scoring system. Those are much easier to follow. Um, the forefathers of our sport came up with this uh, in order to balance out speed and accuracy. The DVC of our sport, power, speed, and accuracy. And I think it does pretty well for what it's intended to do. It's definitely speed biased. Um, so I think, you know, the the classic question of should I be fast or should I be accurate, um, even though this is a half-joking answer, but the answer is always be fast. It's Our game is definitely weighted towards speed. Well, the way the hit factor system works is, to break it down, if you're not a mathlete like me, a hit factor, the factor is points per second. How many points did you earn for every second you're on the course of fire? The course of fire stop, starts at the timer, stops at the last shot. So that's your that's your time span. So in that span of time, how many points did you earn? And that's what your factor comes down to, points per second. Very simple. And how do you earn a point in the game? Well, you have to shoot a target. So that's the only way to earn a point. So if you're not actively shooting a target at that very moment in time, your hit factor is going down because the, the clock is running. So the clock's always ticking. If you're not earning a point at that very moment in time, you're getting no points for that second, and that's not a very good hit factor. We want our hit factor to be as high as possible, so we want super high points and super low time. Your points divided by your time brings up your factor. So to use an extreme example, if we had a million points and you shot it in one second, that would be a pretty good hit factor. And so that's our goal. Well, then it gets kind of complicated in, you know, the whole should I be fast or should I be accurate thing. And there's really no 100% right answer. But what I tell folks, and this is this is debatable if get somebody smarter than me, but what I tell folks is the lower the hit factor, the more important points are. The higher the hit factor, the more important speed is. And that's just how you're going to favor. So if I if I see a stage that I know is going to be a low hit factor, you know, I hate to say I'm going to aim harder, but you know, I'm going to make a little bit more damn sure that I'm aiming at the middle of the target, getting those A's. 
or maybe I'll take a tricky activation sequence differently than I would if it were a higher hit factor. Higher, higher, when I see a stage that I know is going to be a higher hit factor, well, that's where I'm going to push a little bit. And we'll talk about how to push on another podcast. That doesn't just mean I'm going to go out there and shoot faster. But I, I see a, a stage that I know is going to be a higher hit factor. Well, that's when I'll get aggressive. I'll, I'll take some chances. I'll, I'll take that 18-yard partial with a target focus when I know I shouldn't. And, and uh, I'll shoot that um, activation sequence differently in the interest of speed. Well, the problem with all that is hit factors are individual. So individual to the shooter and individual to the stage. I see a lot with newer students when they come out and they'll say something to the effect of, well, because they're looking at the scores at the end of their, you know, their local matches and they're seeing their hit factors. And they're like, well, I I just want to get above a three. You know, all, all I get is twos and threes on hit factors. Well, that doesn't mean anything. A three could be a fantastic hit factor on a stage, or it could be a horrible hit factor on a stage. And that, I mean, the, the hit factor number itself means nothing unless you know the stage and unless you know the shooter and unless you know your competition. So hit factors are individual. So the problem with my statement of a lower hit factor, speed biased, I mean, sorry, accuracy biased, higher hit factor, speed biased, is that you have to know your hit factor on that particular stage before you shoot the stage. And that's not an easy thing to figure out. So you have to, and some guys are good at it. My buddy Dave Jenkins, he's been on the podcast before. He's really, really good at uh, knowing the time that it's going to take him to shoot a stage, and myself included, before we shoot the stage. I suck at it. I, I, I cannot figure out an accurate time for me to shoot a stage with just guessing. Um, and we'll come up to the stage, and he's like, I'm going to be... 21 on here, you'll probably be 17. And damn it, if he ain't right on. Uh, so some people are just good at, at you know, run, running that scenario through their head and figuring it out. I'm not. Um, so you have to know your hit factor before you shoot the stage. Well, what you can do, and what I do, is knowing that in order to in order to earn a point, you have to shoot a target because the clock's always running. So if there's a lot of non-shooting shit going on, like drag this dummy, open this door, uh, load the gun, open the port with one hand while you're shooting with the other hand, that type of stuff. Um, or you've got 15 yards or 20 yards to run in between shooting positions. That's non-shooting stuff. So you know that's automatically load, lowering the hit factor. Easiest one is unloaded start. So unloaded start, again, automatically lowering the hit factor because the clock's running and you ain't doing nothing but loading the gun. You're not shooting anything. Versus uh, your classic hoser stage. So you've got a lot of targets. They're pretty wide open. They're pretty close. So you know it's going to be a lot of shooting in a short span of time. You know that hit factor is going to be higher. So that, that's, a, that's an easy way to kind of get a grip on, you know, what your hit factor means. Take something like a, just to further illustrate the, the hit factor point, take something like a, an El Presidente drill. Most of you are probably familiar with that. You got three targets at 10 yards. Shoot them two rounds each. Mandatory reload. Shoot them two rounds each. So if you shot, so it's 12-round course fire. If you shot that stage with all alphas, that would be 60 points, 12 times 5. And if it took you 9 seconds flat to do it, not a horrible El Perez time, uh, that, would be a hit, <clears throat> excuse me, that would be a hit factor of 6.66. And we'll say 666 just to make it uh, safe. Well, if you shot that stage with 48 points, so now you're down 12, but you did it in 7.2 seconds. 
that hit factor is also 6.6. And if you shot it in 30 with 33 points, that's 27 down. That's almost two clean misses. 27 points down, but you did it in five seconds, which is not outside the realm of possibility at all. That hit factor is also 6.6. So that just kind of shows you how hit factors are not 100% relevant because one of those is very accurate, one of those is not, one of those is fast, one of those is not, but they're all the same all the same hit factor. So you can, you know, the other classics thing is you can't miss fast enough to win, but you can be inaccurate enough to win. You've you got to be quick, but there's a balance there. And so back to the questions. Should a production or a single stack shooter uh, shoot limited to improve? Uh, the other question, should a B-ish shooter try to shoot faster to improve? Well, on, on, the, on the production single stack question, I would say yes. Uh, I think shooting limited is going to help you improve your score, um, even in that production division, because you're taking some time away uh, or some focus away from a little bit of stage planning focus you're taking away and a lot of reload time you're taking away. It allows you to focus just on shooting for a little bit. You know, shooting limited division, you're probably looking at one reload per stage tops. And your six-stage local match, it, I guess, depends on the flavor of where you shoot. But out at our matches, you know, there may be two stages over 28 rounds, um, 25 rounds maybe. So you're looking at two, maybe three stages in a six-stage match that you're going to load at all. And that's only going to be one. The other stages you're not loading. So it's, it's taking that, that that aspect of the game away, which I know some people like that aspect. Some people like the reloading aspect of the game, and that's fine. I love shooting single stack as well. Um, but taking that away, allow you, allowing you to concentrate more on the shooting aspect, yes, I think is going to improve your production in single stack game. Uh, I've been shooting a lot more production this year than normal with a new carry optics coming along. I've been shooting a lot of that more, uh, a lot more of that, a whole a whole two matches more, but you know, a little bit more of that. And, you know, what I notice shooting production, and it was a, um, uh, a little bit of a mental challenge for me to, to get my head around it is points matter. And, you know, production, you're scored minor, carry optics, you're scored minor. So the, a, a Charlie, you, you're down, um, you're down two and Delta, you're down three or down four. So a Delta, I mean, it's barely worth the, the cost of the bullet that you fired at it. So where that comes into play is in the level of focus, the, le the, the level or the type of sight picture and trigger control that I would use. And if you've, again, worked with me, you, you understand what I'm talking about, but I would shoot targets differently. So that, and it really comes into play on those seven to 15 yard wide open targets. So you got a big ass open target staring you in the face. And here I am aiming at the middle like a little bitch uh, because you can't afford to drop Charlie's on the easy stuff. You know, you're probably going to hit Charlie's on the longer range targets, uh, partial targets, moving targets, stuff like that. So it's almost, you know, reverse what you would think. I almost go, go harder at, uh, pick up the speed more on the, on the, on the difficult targets because you, that's where you can gain a little bit of time figuring that hell I could aim at the damn thing and hit two Charlie's. So, uh, but the closer ones are where, where you're really making sure that you don't drop silly points. Um, I just, I mentioned, I think last podcast, but just shot the, fa uh, factory gun classic in, uh, carry optics. And, you know, it was a, a big training session for me and trying to work on shooting accurate on the, on the wide open targets where shooting my normal open or limited divisions, I would be much, much, much more aggressive on those targets because a trailer didn't hurt you nearly as much. And then the second question, the B shooter, 
uh, trying to shoot faster? Well, I answered the question yes, because, yeah, you got to be fast. But um, it's it's how you try to shoot faster is got to be the answer. And, you know, you've got to have you've got to have a plan. You've got to have tactics on how you're going to attack that target, that course of fire, that array, et cetera, or that match, whatever. You can't just go out and say, hey, I'm going to shoot faster. You know, you've got to have a plan on how you're going to do that. And there's ways that we shoot faster. When you say guys, when you hear guys say, well, I'm going to push here or, or I'm going to pull back here or that type of thing, it's how are they going to do that that matters. You, 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 just, you cannot go out there and just say, oh, I'm going to shoot faster. And if that were the case, we'd all do that. Um, so learning proper techniques, you know, learning what type of focus you're using, what type of trigger control you're using, that's how you push. Now I can look at this target and say, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to use this type of side picture, this type of trigger pull, when I know I probably shouldn't, but you know, I'm making a tactical decision here um, in the interest of speed. And if you end up having a, an errant shot, you know, picking up a delta or, you know, gosh forbid, a, a mic, that's not what we want. But at least then we can look back and say, all right, well, I made a tactical decision to do it. Didn't work out. You know, maybe next time I rolled the dice, it didn't win. Maybe next time I will. Uh, so I think, I think that would help. Um, Again, back to the first question, the production guy. Then when you go back to your production or single stack, now you're back to incorporating your reloads, but you've worked on shooting for the sake of shooting. Now when you hit that position with a fresh mag, you know, you're going to understand better about how to engage those targets, you know, what speeds you can work on them, what speeds you can work at those targets with, and understanding why it matters. Again, the, the hit factor system is important to, to start to get your head around. When I was um, coming up, probably six or seven, I guess, oh six, oh seven, maybe even before I spent a whole, I'm not a, I'm not a smart man, as you probably figured out, but I spent a whole lot of time, you know, understanding the hit factor system. And I would, you know, pour over data and I, I called them the woulda, coulda, shouldas. If I, you know, if I had done this, if I had done that, what if I take away that Delta and make it an A, what if I pick up a second here, et cetera, compare myself to other shooters to really understand the question of should I shoot fast or should I shoot accurate? And, you know, the, the obvious answer is yes. You know, you, you're, you're not, it's not like you're going to, I'm not going to go out there and shoot slower on purpose. And you can't go out there and shoot faster on purpose. You, know, you have to understand how you're going to attack those techniques. But spending a lot of time in trying to answer that question for myself really gave me a good understanding of the hip factor system. And that's important to understand as you, you know, carry on your competition career because, you know, we talk a lot about learning to shoot, talk a lot about how to shoot, and that's certainly important. But when you get to the competition side of the house, there's also learning how to compete, you know, uh, strategy and tactics and understanding how to, how to attack this stage. A couple of, couple of examples. We had the IPSC Nationals this year. Uh, there was a stage, I don't think I talked about this in the last podcast, but... I tell a lot of these stories in my classes, so sometimes I forget if I've told them here or not. But there was a stage, um, I forget the exact layout, but it was like four poppers and four paper or something like that. And the way the stage description read <clears throat> was mandatory reload. Uh, I think it said like between the first and last shot or something like that. Where USPSA, and I think the way the stage was designed and meant to be, was arrays. So the steel was one array, paper was one array. Shoot one, reload, shoot the other. Well, IPSC, you can't do that. <clears throat> you can't dictate a raise. You can only dictate the load. Well, we're sitting there looking at it, 
and I was shooting with Max. So we were, I think we were actually shooting on staff day, but uh, Max came down and shot with me. We were sitting looking at the stage, and we're figuring, well, hell, I, if I just grip it and rip it, and they weren't close. I mean, it was, there was some long-range stuff, but even still, if I just grip this and rip it, I could probably run sub-5, sub-6 for damn sure. So then you start looking at the factor on that, and I don't uh, have the calculator in front of me, but once we figured out what the factor was, then that tells you what what points are worth in time. And, damn it, I'm trying to grab my phone here. Let me give you uh, a quick example. I should have uh, done this ahead of time, but you, you take the inverse of the factor. So on, back, to our, back to our El Perez, for example, we had a, a 6.66 uh, hit factor. So you take you take one divided by the six by divided by the six point six six or one divided by the factor, and that's going to give you what one point is worth in time. So on that particular example, one point is worth fifteen fifteen hundredths of a second, actually fifteen fifteen. So on on a six and that's that's solely driven by the factor. So on the six six factor, one point is worth 0.15 of a second. Now we generally think about alphas. So if you think about that in terms of an alpha, an alpha is five points. So you get three quarters of a second in, uh, in an alpha. And that comes into play because now that's how you start to look at disappearing targets and activators. And, and um, in this case, back to the, the IPSC nationals, whether or not you're going to reload. So you know, you know a reload is 10 points. Uh, I mean, a procedural is 10 points. And that's how it worked out by rule on that particular stage because it was bef- between the first and last. If you didn't do the load, you're only getting you're only really getting dinged for that last shot that you should have loaded before. So it ended up it was only one procedural. So we get to looking at it. Well, like it's going to take me two seconds to load a second and a half because again they weren't close targets. So by the time you you load, get back out there and get on target, it's going to take me at least a second and a half, if not two. And then you can look at that factor and say, I don't remember what the um, what the hit factor was on that stage, but even let's say it was that, even let's say it was a six, uh, the same same example we're using, uh, a second and a half, so we had 0.15 per point. Well, that's easy math. So a procedural was 10 points uh, times your 0.15, so that's 1.5 seconds. Uh, and that's pretty close to what it was, I think, actually. But... So if you loaded in 1.5 and you hit an A, you got an A, or that screws your math up. If you hit a Charlie, it's, it's, it's different. It's four points. Um, if you loaded 1.5 and hit an A, uh, you're even. You've gained nothing, lost nothing, as opposed to not doing the load at all. So if you load in two, you're losing hit factor. If you were to load in one, you're gaining hit factor. So that... That kind of gives you an idea of how it works. And, and then you have to ha- also have to throw into the, to the mix that, number one, you might not hit an A, and now you're adding, you're adding disaster factor in that you might bobble the load and you might drop a mag and, you know, other shit that could go wrong. So in this particular scenario, it was pretty, pretty obvious that the call was to blow off the load, and, which is what we did and ended up with better factors. But that's where knowing how the factor works comes into play. Back to the... the factory gun championship I just shot over in uh, Clearwater a couple of weeks ago there was the same scenario where there was a disappearing target 
now this factored in because it was carry optics and it was a it was an unloaded start so now there's now back to that beginning point we already know that's bringing her factor down um but it was a 20 round stage so unloaded start 20 round stage two 10 round mags i'm sorry it was a 22 round stage including the disappearing target if you blew off the disappearing target it was a it was a 20 round stage so i quickly figured out that hey shooting this disappearing target is going to cost me an extra load. Now it's 22 rounds. Now I got to load twice instead of once. To further complicate matters, it was a mags on the table deal, dealio. So you're not coming off the belt. You come off a table, so that's going to make you reload longer. So I, I was shooting on Sunday, and uh, so I knew some folks had already shot on Friday and Saturday. So I pulled up the scores on my phone real quick, looked at some of the hit factors, and I mean there was no uh, there was no GM carry optic guys, but I, I mean I could look at some of the top scores regardless of the division even if it was single stack i could look at some of the other divisions and see what a decent factor was get a feel for it know i could probably beat that if i shot it straight up but again it, so it gave me an idea because i'm not good at guessing my time ahead of time it gave me an idea of what type of factor i would be able to put down it allowed me to run the calculations real quick and became again really evident that hey shooting that target is not worth it um, so i blew off the target saved a load ended up with a better hit factor than I otherwise would have, uh, and the stage was fine. But understanding the process, understanding how that works, you, you have to, otherwise you're not going to be able to make make tactical decisions like that. So I hope that answers the questions. Um, you know, anytime you can shoot faster, that's better. But again, you've got to know how you're going about it. But taking away some of the, taking away some of the distractions, the reload and that type of stuff, is going to allow you to improve overall as a shooter. I think I've always, I've often said, you know, shooting the open is going to make you a better iron-sided shooter, and I, I still agree with that. Uh, so whether it's carry optics or open division, you know, I would recommend carry optics if you're training for production, or open if you're training for limited. Um, that's going to make you a better iron-sided shooter, just because you're going to you're taking again taking a distraction away. Just like shooting limited to train for production is taking away the reloads. Shooting open to train for limited is taking away the sight picture. Um, so it's allowing you to focus more on one single thing, more on the trigger control, more on the transition, more on coming into position. You know, all, all the little things you need to work on in addition to, oh yeah, I got hit the target also. Taking away one of those things to focus on is going to make you better overall. I would add in there, though, on, in any event, on any of these topics, is it, it's got to be for a decent amount of time. You can't, you can't shoot open on Saturday and then limit it on Sunday and think you're making some gains. You know, I would recommend switching division for a, a good amount of time, you know, months, not, not just a couple of days. You, you've got to give yourself time to acclimate. And if you're trying to be competitive on the circuit, that makes that difficult because now you've got to figure out, well, what time of year am I going to – Am I going to you know, devote to that training? And that's something I can't answer for you. But uh, you can't just you can't just flop around divisions back and forth. That that's not going to help anything. You know, if you're going to jump over to one to help to train, you got to give it some time, weeks and weeks and months, uh, and then then you have some time to reacclimate when you go back to your to your primary division. So a couple of things to think about. Hope that helps answer the questions. Uh, give you a little math homework and something to think about and understand the hit factors and. Yeah, as always, let me know your questions. You can reach me on my website, Shannon Smith Shooting. Uh, through Facebook is pretty easy. Shannon Smith Shooting there as well. Uh, an email and, and text if you have that info. If not, it's on the website. A lot of matches coming up. Florida State, 
uh, right around the corner. Florida Open in February, and then the Optics Nationals is coming back to our place in March, so we're excited about that. Training calendar is filling up fast, man. If you want to get a class with me, let me know. Uh, January is pretty much booked already. Uh, I've got a interesting, for the tactical guys, interesting class coming up the uh, last week in January with a guy named Daryl Holland through Aztec Training. Daryl's a former SFOD guy, uh, multiple combat tours, sniper, sniper, assaulter, OTC instructor, uh, and a good friend of mine. So I'm looking forward to working with him. We're going to be doing a, a carbine handgun class. You can find out more information about it on, on my Facebook or on uh, Aztec Training, which is uh, his company that, that this one is going to be booked through, and, and you can book there. And then remember, have gun will travel. So sometimes it's economically not as uh, not as good for you to come down here at USA as it is for me to come to you. So I'd be happy to do that as well. I travel all around the country, all around the world training. Give me a holler. We can uh, put a custom course and quote together for you. Although, this time of year, I'd much rather you come here. The weather's great here in Florida. We've been in the 80s this week and looking forward to that continuing. So hope everybody has a Merry Christmas, good holiday season, and I will be back at you first of the year. See you on the range.